All right, and welcome back to a very special episode of The Savings Angel Show. And this uh, show is, I think, becoming a thing. So what some people may not realize is The Simpsons was actually an off... You're giving me that perplexed look. Trust me, I know where I'm going with this. (laughs) I've got my wife, Jenny Elledge, in in the Savings Angel studio with us right now, by the way. Hi, how are you? And so The Simpsons began as a little animated short on a show called The Tracy Ullman Show. And of course, The Simpsons going on to become the longest-running animated series of all time. And matter no, the longest-running TV series of all time. And it got its start as kind of piggybacking another show. And so, obviously, The Savings Angel Show now in its getting on its sixth Year, can you believe that podcasting for six yeah, years? That's a long time. Been doing this a long time, and I still remember that very first one I recorded, which was it was terrible. You can <laughs> you can go back and listen to it, and uh, that's okay. Uh, <laughs> we all start somewhere, that's and right. so I think this is our Simpsons right here. I think this could truly wow. become something. <laughs> You have some pretty lofty goals here. I do. Uh, That's just because of the feedback we got. Uh, The uh, listener numbers on the episode that we recently did. And, uh, you know, if there's somebody who's listening to our private conversation right now, uh, they can go back a few episodes and they can listen to the one where we talk about how to fight with your spouse and how to win. How how to to win. How to win arguments with your spouse or loved ones. Uh, Highly recommend you go back and listen to that one. uh, And uh, you will learn some ninja skills I think are going to make life a lot easier. I mean, if we just knew... How to deal with conflict a lot more effectively. Man, just think of the uh, problems we could avoid. Yeah. Well. Well, that was a fun... That was a fun little interview. So we're here for another round, huh? So this one, we're going to talk about, Jenny, what feels like an epidemic that is sweeping the world, and that is anxiety. Anxiety. And anxiety, like, as a term, I was thinking about this, I'm like... It, it, does everybody have anxiety right now? So, so I, just a little background. Jenny, my wife, is a licensed marriage and family therapist. Mm-hmm. And um, by the way, if you want to learn more about her credentials, her 411, you can go on the web. Her website is jennyellidge.com, J E N N Y, and then Elledge is E L L, and then Edge, E D G E.com. Uh, and your contact information, all of that other stuff is uh, online. Uh, you do therapy for uh, both folks in Florida, and then you also do uh, virtual. Uh, yeah, I do virtual coaching. Yeah, uh, yeah, over, for, over for the those web. not in Florida. And mm-hmm. and just before we get started, like, what are your spe- like what what's your niche? What's your specialty? Like, what what kind of clients do you typically work with? And what, what I typically work with are couples who are coming in with marital problems, yeah. um, which is what we talked about last time. And what I often see in you know, maybe individually or even in the couple relationship is depression and anxiety. Mm, yeah. We are going to talk about anxiety today. Yeah. Is anxiety a new thing? Because I just, you know, thinking back to the 80s, I, I don't remember hearing that term so much. Uh, and so I, I'm wondering if this is like, now everybody's got anxiety now. And yeah. it was, this is like, yeah. something's in the water, something's in the air, and now everybody's got anxiety. 
Exactly. Well, I wonder, I wonder, you know, we might be conflating the terms anxiety and stress. Mm. So stress, you know, in the 80s. Well, also you were a kid and not an adult in the 80s. Right. So I when was you're just a, happy-go-lucky. And, you <laughs> when know. you're a kid, mm. you don't tend to have as much stress, hopefully, as maybe an adult does. So maybe if you talk to your parents, they might say, yeah, I was pretty stressed about a lot of stuff back yeah. in the 80s and stuff because yeah. we had to do adulting things. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess maybe as a kid, sometimes you just tune a lot of that stuff out. It's, ah, they're just doing adult stuff. I don't, I don't want to worry Probably. about that. I want to go play with I'm my Lincoln Logs. I'm going to go play with my Lincoln Logs. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, and do adults get to go off and play? Well, maybe you should, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, we'll talk about that. Yeah. And so, um, so t- as we get started here, um, let's, um, first off, what is, Anxiety and kind of a from a clinical perspective, from a, a, you know a, a DSM four or five definition, like what is anxiety? So anxiety is when you have it most well to be clinically have a clinical issue with um, anxiety is when you have anxiety lasting kind of most more days than not uh, for you know maybe six months or more. You might have, and you're worried about a lot of different things, a lot of what if. You might have something like generalized anxiety disorder. So you need to be bothered by it most days and not, and it needs to be going on for six months. Um, Stress is not exactly the same as anxiety. It feels kind of the same. You kind of have the same symptoms. You'll feel like, uh, you know, kind of a churning in the stomach. You you might feel a little anxious, uh, meaning like your hands are getting sweaty and uh, your legs get a little wobbly and your thinking isn't very clear and you're kind of like, ugh, you feel kind of ugh, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, so the difference is, you know, stress is about things that are short-lived and anxiety kind of prolonged and chronic and maybe about a lot of different things. So what hap- oh, So what happens if... I uh, am feeling uh, a lot of situational anxiety, like, but but I always seem to get worked up fairly easy. Is is that do I have anxiety or what? What's going on? Is it just life? It could be depending on what's going on. If you're stressed out about work, and you know there's you know like a project you're working on that you keep running into issues all the time or your team members aren't getting on board with you and or there's some kind of discrepancy going on you know you're going to be stressed out about that and that is part of life right yeah the problem so. is that when people you know take that to internalize it and then mm. go and that and that means I'm a bad person or 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 I, that means I'm a terrible awful human being and I can't get anything right type of thing because nothing's going right in my life. So you don't want to extrapolate mm. it to mean like everything in life is going wrong. When that tends to be when it becomes from a, a regular stressful thing to like this anxiety thing where you're internalizing it and, you know, being really, really critical of yourself. Yeah. See, I feel like my goal is I want to live a stress-free life. Everybody does. <laughs> and you know what? And, and in fact, we... As a human being species, we're not very comfortable with the idea of having negative emotion. And yet, it's part of the human experience. We have negative emotion. We also have positive emotion. Um, but as soon as we feel that negative emotion, we're like, oh, oh, we got to get rid of this like, right away. Right, right. It's really uncomfortable. I don't yeah. like this feeling. What can I do to make it go away like right now? Yeah. And so maybe that's, you know, part of the difference that we're finding. <clears throat> 
now in 2019 versus in the 80s, we are accustomed to getting a lot of things that we want right away when we want it. And emotions don't necessarily work like that. Interesting. And I wonder how much of that is, uh, you know, just kind of society where we have we have the ability to solve problems. Like, I, I feel like we have more access to resources like we've never had before. You don't mm-hmm. have to, yeah, su- sure. you don't have to suffer in silence. And so as a result of that, we say, well, wait a minute, you know, I've got depression. I can go get that fixed. And, mm-hmm. you know, maybe that's a prescription drug, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, and so I just wonder if, um, you know, we're now subject to our advancing society, our advancing, you know, technology. We we do have so many options now. Uh, and, you know, kind of maybe you need a, a label or definition. And now I can I can go get that fixed because that's uncomfortable. I can fix that as opposed to yeah. maybe way back in the old olden times. Um, you know, it's just, well, I, I, I got, uh, you know, the gangrene. So, you know, just go ahead and remove the limb, you know, mm-hmm, to, yeah. or I got to go in for my bleeding and that's about all I can do. You know, it's, we, or even like back in the 80s, like what keep referencing, you know, if you were stressed, you, and you're, I mean, you didn't have a phone, you didn't have internet, you yeah. only had, you know, being outside and talking with people on the phone and, yeah. and uh, venting to other people or sitting outside and going for a walk or, yeah, which and we're going to talk about that. Those are all yeah. very, very good things. Awesome things to do. Yeah. So, um, so in in my quest to live a stress free life, and uh, I, I'm I'm doing okay at that. Some days, most days, mm-hmm. a lot of days, I'm well, not. Welcome to everyone's <laughs> yeah. life. Right? Okay. So uh, it's not. Okay, so so where do we want to be in terms of stress? Like, how much stress is healthy stress? When does it become unhealthy? Okay, so a moderate amount of stress is okay for when you have like an upcoming thing to do, like a test or like a project that's work, um, due at work. You want to have a moderate amount of stress. So imagine a bell curve. Um, if you've ever taken a statistic class or a psychology class, you know what a bell curve looks like. So the bell curve at the tippy top is the moderate amount of stress. If you have too much, then it goes down to the right. If you have too little, it goes down to the left. And what happens is um, the moderate amount of stress can be tied to how well you perform. So if you have a moderate amount of stress, you tend to be motivated to do the thing, the work you have to do in order to accomplish the task you have coming up. If you have a low amount of stress, so it kind of becomes like, I don't really care, so I'm not going to put any effort into it. If you have too high stress, then you're like, I'm way overwhelmed and I'm not like... Uh, I'm doing the work, but I'm not doing it very efficiently because I'm worried. Interesting. So I, I, I kind of feel myself doing a little bit of reframing right now, where if I'm feeling stress, uh, in, and, and it's not like an overwhelming, debilitating kind mm-hmm. of stress, yeah, right. but if I've got a little bit of stress or, or even a moderate amount of stress, I could take a look at that and say, oh, this is actually a good thing because it's going to help me perform better. So Absolutely. if I've got a major thing coming up, I'm going to a conference, I'm going to be speaking, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm feeling a little stressed about that, that's yeah. good. That's, that's actually, it's going to, I'm going to take it serious and stuff. You're going to take it serious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, you can have some confidence around it. Like, if it's something brand new you've never done before, you'll probably feel a little bit more anxious about it. If yeah. it's something you've done a few times around, you can go, well, you know, it's okay for me to feel stressed. I've done this before. I did okay before. I'm fairly confident it can happen again. Yeah. All right. So then uh, if we see this, however, we're just, we wake up. And, 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 and does this fit the definition of anxiety? Uh, I wake up and the first feeling I feel is dread or it kind of like there's a trigger and then, oh, hello, my old friend, there you are, anxiety. Is mm-hmm. it kind of like that? Is that what anxiety feels yeah, I like? I don't know. Is it? Yeah. Is it? Well, it can feel like dread. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're not really looking forward to the day type of thing, mm. yeah. Uh, how about uh, what we call, I, I've heard the term ruminating, mm-hmm. like where you're kind of like replaying conversations over and over again, or you just imagine what conversations are going to be like, I mean, just kind of as an example, mm-hmm. uh, and, and you just kind of play out those conversations over and over and over again. And I've, I've done that from in i can think of some times i've done that is, yeah is i'm what, sure a lot of people have done that yeah, what, ruminating thoughts you know you're not being very kind to yourself you're not um you're being really critical of yourself and um so a way to interrupt maybe so here's the thing about thoughts and the things that you tell yourself because we're um you know people with really these really big brains uh, that can think really well and solve problems really well, we tend to think that every thought that we have, we should believe. And when it comes to like what we tell ourselves and what we believe and what our emotions are, we don't necessarily have to believe every thought that we tell ourselves. So what I like to tell people is, you know, is the thought that you're having about yourself helpful or is it unhelpful? So you can tell if it's helpful or unhelpful by this kind of reframe, like, um, if my best friend was sitting next to me, or maybe a small child who I really like, maybe my own child, or maybe a niece or nephew, um, if they were next to me, would I say those same things to them that I'm telling myself? So let's say I messed up and did something, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm such an idiot. Why did I do that? I'm always messing up. I can't get anything right. So if you can catch yourself and realize what you're saying about yourself, maybe to yourself inside your head or outside, out loud, you know, and you go, wow, would I really say that to my best friend if she came up to me and said, oh, man, I forgot to, you know, go get this uh, thing that we do today. I forgot to pick it up, and now I'm, I, I'm, I feel awful. Would you really say to your friend, oh, my gosh, you're such an idiot. Why can't you get anything right? Yeah, I would hope not. You wouldn't be right. friends very that long. Wouldn't, that wouldn't be a very friendly thing to say. And yet we feel like we can be this very overly and super critical of ourselves. Yeah, yeah. So a more helpful way would be to say to your friend, it's okay, we all make mistakes. I'm sure you can figure out something. And we're, we're not perfect. We learn from our mistakes. And being perfect actually is kind of boring. You know, I've heard... Uh, that would be a more helpful thought to have yeah. about yourself. Right, right. I I know that there's a fear of failure, too, which um, a lot of us feel. And like we and and I don't know if that that's any more like we're we're more afraid of failing today or I think we are for sure. Yeah, I think it's actually a very much a cultural thing, too. So um, you being Finnish, sometimes I like to refer to this story. You're half Finnish. Your mom is 100 percent finish right no 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 listen no no no. I, let's I, not get into the dna I, story 
Uh, okay. In general Spoiler term, alert, in I'm 67% yes, Finnish, uh, yes, genetically. Okay. Now, no, please. Okay, okay, thank you. The point is you have Finnish heritage, right? Um, yeah, in Finland, they actually have something called like National Failure Day or something like that, where they, people wow. are, are encouraged to go out and practice or try something that they're going to end up failing magnificently at and then sharing that story with people. We don't really have anything like that in America. We want to be great at like everything, right? <laughs> we want to be the greatest people. We right. want to be the greatest America. country. We want to be awesome at everything, and there's no room for failure. There's certainly no no place to celebrate failure. Failure is looked at a very bad thing. All of society, the way we have set up our society is is to only celebrate successes with grades and with, you know, a good paycheck or with accolade from your boss and with coworkers and, and you know, you have your friends kind of hopefully in your corner to back you up and you are failing type of thing to remind you, hey, we all do, but we don't really see it on social media unless you're purposely following people who are trying to kind of spread the message like, mm. it's okay, let's be kind to ourselves. We all mess up. You know, speaking of that, uh, one thing that I learned, so I, I do a lot of social media marketing and I've done a lot of consulting in that space. And uh, one thing that that I will commonly is I'm I'm looking at people's social media and I'm looking at their feed and, mm -hmm. you know, I'm trying to give them some advice on, on what they could be doing to improve their engagement. One mm -hmm. thing that, that I see pretty consistently is that audiences, and, and again, this is just, you know, if you're a big social media person and you're into this kind of thing, great. Uh, but people will become attracted to you initially for you know, your beautiful lips or, mm -hmm. you know, your information, you're so smart and your great advice, you know, your inspirational thing. But engagement really happens. And this is an interesting, uh, you know, perception in, in, in who we are and what we like. If you want more engagement, you want really people to really connect with you, then you need to share your vulnerability you need to share your imperfections, mm -hmm. share your failures. Mm -hmm. And when you do that, and again, I'm only talking about people who want to attract a bunch of people on social media, uh, that really, I mean, it's like your audience now or other people say, oh, she's just like me. Yeah, it becomes a very attractive quality. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. become an unattractive thing. It becomes, you become relatable, right? Like you are like me. We are all human beings, right? You're tapping into some research from Brene Brown. So if you want to learn more about, you know, the um, vulnerabilities and failures and imperfections, you know, she's got a lot of great material there too. Yeah, I know even in a couple dynamic, uh, I would imagine that that comes up where, you know, maybe, you know, me as a husband, I don't want you to see me failing, or I don't want to admit when mm -hmm. I'm feeling insecure about something. And so as a result, I'm going to kind of just kind of bottle that up. Yeah. 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 All right. Hey, we're getting sidetracked. And that's my <laughs> fault. <laughs> as always. Okay, so what we want to talk about is, uh, let's, let's talk about, um, some some uh, remedies or not remedies, but how can we even bef before anxiety becomes a problem? Uh, what types of people based on lifestyle and behavior do you think are more prone 
to anxiety. Because here's the thing. I mean, we're all going to have problems. That's just life. I mean, everyone's, some of us, unfortunately, it's just the way that it is. We have more challenges, more pain that comes up in life. And and it sucks when that happens. Sorry, I hate to use that word, especially got kids in the car. Kids, don't use that word. Uh, (laughs) But uh, how can we become a person that is going to be less prone to become someone who deals with anxiety. Well, and we'll talk about we'll kind of talk about uh kind of preparatory stuff first and then we'll talk about well, what happens if you're dealing with it, you know, how can you solve it in in the moment? And some of these will probably cross over, but Okay, so let's just talk a little bit about biology then. Mm-hmm. So biology where um Biologically, where anxiety comes from is from our brain, and there's a part of the brain called the amygdala. The amygdala is a small, maybe walnut-sized part of our brain, and that's where our fight, flight, or freeze response comes in. So I'm sure you're familiar with that. That's what happens when you see something dangerous. Biologically, back in the day when we saw a saber-toothed tiger, (laughs) uh, when we saw the saber-toothed tiger, we would want to either fight it, flee it, or a freeze. Freeze was probably not going to be a great response for that particular animal, maybe for a bear type of thing. So over time, you kind of learn which um, direction you want to go. But you, you, so what happens is when the amygdala is activated, it, it's hardwired to overtake the prefrontal cortex of the brain, which is right behind your forehead. And that part of the brain is where you make all your executive functioning, decision-making skills and impulse control and um, very much the thinking part of our brain. And uh, so when the amygdala is activated and you're feeling the adrenaline coursing through your your veins and you're, you're, you'll notice that the logical part of your brain is going to start to get a little fuzzy and that there's a, a biological reason for it. So don't beat yourself up like, why yeah. can I not think straight when I'm stressed out or I'm like really, really anxious? Biologically, that's what's happening to your brain. Right. So what you need to learn to do over t- um you know, with habits that we'll get into talking about with, with some good habits, you can learn to calm that part of the brain down. So if you know that it's being triggered by not a saber-toothed tiger, but by uh, like social rejection, someone said something kind of mean to you, and you're like feeling kind of, I feel awful about myself, and you keep thinking about the awful things that the person said about you. I would rather take the saber-toothed tiger. Well, because it's a a very clear definition of what the danger is. Right. With that social kind of rejection, it feels a little bit weird, right? Because we very much are social people. We want to feel part of a tribe, you know, part of a community. We don't like to feel like the outsider. And again, that's biology. You know, over time, over evolution, we learned that we do better in surviving if we are with a group of people, right? We don't want to be the outsider. So anyway, when the uh, amygdala is activated, we want to learn how to calm it down. Yeah. I could picture me as a caveman. I'd be out, you know, with my spear and taking down saber-toothed tigers, get back around the campfire, grog makes some wise crack about, you know, how I can't throw a spear. And there you go. Uh, My my fight or flight kicks in. I think men might have this fantasy and I don't think women have this (laughs) fantasy at all. Um, and, 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 and of course, growing up too, uh, you know, I, it was, I was kind of thinking about this, um, you know, 
kids can be mean. Kids can, I mean, there's all kinds of social messed up stuff that can happen in middle school and high school and that, that imprints on us. I was just thinking about like, you know, and the thing is we don't necessarily want to escape from all of the suffering in life because what happens is when we have suffering in life and over, we learn how to be more resilient to that. Like, yeah, you said this really dumb thing about me, but I'm choosing not to believe you. I'm still a good person, and yeah. I'm going to prove you wrong, or I'm going to like focus on my other good qualities, or yeah. I'm going to say, you know, there might be something else going on in your life, why that you're choosing to be mean to me or whatever. Yeah. But, you know, suffering, you need to have suffering in order to bounce back from things and learn how to be resilient. Yeah. You know, I think the simple way for that is, um, you know, a, a simple answer that, that that I've used is if I do experience critical information mm-hmm. uh, or, you know, someone says something very critical, I say, well, th- that's not me. That's that's them. I mean, that's their interpretation of me. And and they get to kind of take that with them. And, and I don't have to take that with me. Uh, that's kind of how I've been yeah. able to process yeah, that I mean- sort of thing. That's a good adult way of handling things, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it takes time and practice to learn to develop that skill, like mm-hmm. a lot of things. Yeah. All right. So um, what are some lifestyle things that folks can do to be less uh, negatively impacted by the stressful stuff that is it's just going to happen. I mean, there's going to be something in the next 30 days right. and I'm going to be upset about it. Right. Or it's, it's going to be I shouldn't say I'm going it's going to be an upsetting thing. It has mm-hmm. the potential to truly upset me or worry me, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And not to be fearful of this impending thing, but uh what are some lifestyle things I can do to just maybe mess with my biology so that I'm yeah. less prone to that? So a lot of the things that you hear about from your doctor, <laughs> you know, about good general health is, is applicable to mental health, too. So you want to get good sleep, you want to eat well, and you want to exercise, and you want to practice good um, self-care. And that, what I mean by self-care is all of those things, plus maybe noticing what things you like to do to maybe soothe yourself so that you feel like you want to like that cortisol that you know the stress hormone that builds up over the day you want to have like some kind of ritual like maybe after work or after dinner to kind of bleed that off maybe an after dinner walk to kind of um you know notice your surroundings you know turn off the phone be very present in the moment Um, maybe at nighttime before you go to bed you might want to take a warm bath if you like that sort of thing or do like a meditation app or even do something as simple as belly breathing. Belly breathing is one of my favorite things to teach my clients because it's easy, portable, and very effective. So I'll tell you a little bit about how to do that now if you like. Yeah, yeah. So belly breathing is when you breathe from your diaphragm. So normally when we're not thinking about breathing, we breathe from our upper parts of our lungs, our lungs, and then um, we just kind of breathe without really thinking about it. But when we're being intentional about our breathing, we're breathing from our diaphragm. And for you, Josh, I'm you're, doing you're it right totally now. used to doing this because you practice talking from your diaphragm when you do broadcasting, right? In broadcasting school, they taught us to speak all over again. And it was, you know, again, you have to like, you know, from, from, from down yeah, here. Talking yeah, from the diaphragm yeah. instead of from your, your throat, probably mm-hmm. like I am right now. But yeah, you, you breathe from your belly. You want to breathe in through your nose 
for five seconds. So breathe in. One, two, three, four, five. And breathe out through your mouth for 10 seconds. So you want to breathe out twice as long as you're breathing in through your nose. So breathing in through the nose for five and out through the mouth for 10 seconds. Mm. And when you're breathing out, you kind of want to make a little O-shaped O-shape with your mouth. Mm -hmm. And imagine you're trying to blow out a birthday candle, but not blow it out. You want to kind of blow through it so it doesn't quite go out. So it's Mm. a nice, gentle breath out. It's kind of like uh, taking a smoke break. I don't, which I, I, don't, know. Don't, I, I don't know. I don't know. But that's like. what people talk about, right? It's like you know, and then it kind of relieves their. Well, the party has some nicotine things happening there too, but yeah. Um, but they, but they, they they talk about so the general happened? idea of just taking that, you know, like just going out with the smokers or whatever, and just hang out with them and just take a take a break. That's that in and of itself is super helpful. Taking a break is always good throughout your workday. Um, and then what happens is that it activates the vagus nerve that runs kind of from our gut all the way up to our brain. And it's a, it's a pretty much, a, it's like a big nerve that we have in our body. It kind of like, this is kind of like a biohack. If you want to know about how to kind of, when you got anxiety spiking and you got stress spiking and, or, and it's getting like too much, and then do this belly breathing. Usually you can practice it for about three to five breaths and you will notice a difference. Um, if you've caught it kind of early on, if you're already like in panicky mode, you, it's going to take you a little bit longer, but that's fine. And there's, there's the type A in me that, that is hearing this and going, oh, this is, that's not a good use of my time. Like I need to be, blah, 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 blah. you know, I need to keep at it, keep charging. I know, I know, I know. I get that from people. <laughs> yeah. This is why when I have someone in the office, I actually do it with them. I don't tell them about mm-hmm. it. Like I am here. Yeah. I'm like, I'm actually like. Watch me breathe. I'm going to count it out. I usually do a finger motion, one, two, three, four, five, so they know what the pace is like. Mm-hmm. And we practice it about three times in the office. And then I say, do you notice anything? Most of the time, people will say, yeah, I feel a little bit more relaxed. I'm like, mm-hmm. this, you can see it working. If I'm already relaxed and I'm doing it, I will notice myself by that third breath, and I'm breathing out. By the time I hit number 10, I'm like, whew, I feel a little bit sleepy. Yeah. Maybe you got to like gamify it for them or something like that. No, you know? <laughs> no, no. I'm like thinking of that, no. that comic strip that uh, there's like a type A person and, you know, another guy says to him, he's like, hey, relax, man. You got to s- just relax and smell the flowers. And so in the next panel, he's like, you know, grabbing all these flowers and just like, you know, just like, uh, you know, like inhaling like this big pot of flowers. And then he, in the next panel, he's holding up a trophy that says flower smelling champion, yeah. you know, <laughs> hoisting it in the air. Like, yeah. <laughs> Again, we're just learning about what works for you, right? Yeah, I know. I'm being silly. Yeah. Okay, so so belly breathing, so that really does make a big difference. It what does. Are, yeah, uh, what are the other lifestyle stuff? I mean, we talked about getting a full night's sleep, for mm-hmm. example. We talked about uh, making time to go out. And it's like, look, you're going to have to make some sacrifices. In I wouldn't or, even call it sacrifices. But, but, but you've got to commit, you commit to it. Yeah. Right. And and it's an investment in myself. So if That's I take... That's a good term. It's an investment in yourself. That's why we call it self-care. And, you know, we tend to be, I don't know, 
maybe depending on what your family situation is or your if you're living by yourself, you know, you may not think, oh, I don't have time to take care of myself. But really, yeah. if you think about this as, as an investment, what you'll find is over time as you incorporate these good healthy habits that when stressful things do happen, that they're kind of like shock absorbers in your car. Like when you have these good self-care habits in place and you hit a bump, you kind of go, ooh, I felt that, ooh. But okay, I can bounce back from this. Hmm. Whereas if you don't have these self-care habits and you're running low on sleep and you're not like walking and you're not exercising and you're just like laying in bed all the time or you're just like on the go, 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 go with no downtime. Yeah. Then when you hit a bump, something stressful, it's like, bam, right? It's like, bam. Oh my gosh, this is so hard. Whereas if you right. have these self-care things, it's like, ooh, that was kind of a bump, but I think I can figure this out. For me, I think what I need, what I do or what I aspire to do would be to say, who do I want to be? What kind of person do I want to be? Do I, I want to be a better dad. I want to be a better husband. I want to have more patience. I want to be more present for the people that I love. And if I invest that like even though like i don't like I, I, I don't enjoy meditation like i've tried listening to meditation apps however and i don't really enjoy the process i'm i kind of find myself saying oh, when is this going to be over this is going on forever um but i can't argue with the fact that at the end of it I feel more relaxed. And as a result of that investment or taking a walk, like I love walking my doggy Levi. Mm-hmm. We have a mini Australian shepherd Levi. Mm-hmm. He's amazing. He loves going for walks. Like that makes me a better dad and a better husband, taking mm-hmm. that time and investing it in myself. Yeah. Yeah. So that means you have to wake up earlier. You could sleep in instead of doing that. So some days you might choose to sleep in, but then you notice eh, that's not really working out that well for me. I'm going to wake up a little bit earlier. So, so try, try to think of it as experimenting with different things and adding different things like um, like walking. And say, I'm gonna, it doesn't have to be like perfect out of the gate. I'm just going to experiment with it and see mm-hmm. how it goes for me. What are some ways you can interrupt? Like if you, if you find yourself in a cycle where you're just ruminating over and over and over again, or let's say something bad happened. You had a blow up with your sister, mom, something like that. And, and now you're just, you know, it's. So when we're, when, so it's important to know that when we're activated, when that amygdala is activated, yeah. you know, it's going to take 20 minutes minimum to calm down. Wow. So just. So there's you. nothing wrong with me mm-hmm. if it does. Right. So, yeah. it, so just know biologically, you're going to be agitated for, you know, 20 minutes and that is okay. So during those 20 minutes, you can um, kind of, you know, do the belly breathing. You can go for a walk. You can journal, uh, invent. You can call a friend, invent. Um, You know, this is where you kind of have to be very intuitive about what works for you personally because it's different for everybody. Yeah. You know, and and we're actually referring, by the way, um, a lot of what we're talking about. There's an article on Savings Angel right now, and it's called The Three Most Effective Ways to crush anxiety <laughs> and uh, i like saying it like that like a That's some a like german. A dictate german dictator yeah. we're going to crush anxiety <laughs> yeah. uh and so if you go to savings angel right now you can find this article um 
Jenny, I, you know, I love what we're talking about and, and I'm, I'm actually, I feel so good that the person who's listening to this is going to benefit from this. But I think we all know people that really struggle with this. Uh, you know, we talked about its prevalence, you know, people that worry a lot. And, and so I, I would encourage anyone who's listening to this conversation right now, Please share this with a friend. Take a screenshot with your phone. Uh, you know, find the episode on savingsangel.com. You can share that link. Uh, certainly in most podcast apps that you listen to, there's going to be some kind of little share button where you can click that, you know, click the little uh, send a text message to someone with a link to this. And, uh, you know, it, it's it's my hope and, and uh, you know, that, that we can impact lives. And, and I know you impact lives on a, on a regular basis through uh, your practice, and you've been able to help. A, you, I, I would imagine you've helped a lot of people with anxiety oh, issues. Yeah, sure. yeah. yeah, pretty common. Uh, mm-hmm. what, what percentage do you think, you know, folks coming in have some level of a uh, year? <laughs> I don't know. That I'm, was a shrug. And I, was, I, you know, you looked up at the ceiling. Oh, come I'm, on. Not, I'm not a math person. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot. It's, it's a, lot. a lot. Okay. So, um, uh, so we we talked about some lifestyle things, um, and what about um, you've got chronic anxiety that can lead to like this feeling of paralysis where mm-hmm. you just you don't know what to do. You're just stuck. Yeah. Like, what do we do? Yeah, that's kind of where you want to where the ruminating thought come in. Like I'm I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have done that. Why did I do that? That was so dumb that I did that over and over and over. Or like we playing those conversations like you talked about mm-hmm. earlier. And like, oh, you know, you're just being very self-critical. So you want to interrupt those negative thought patterns like I talked about before. Like, would you actually say this to a friend type of thing? Well, maybe you should be a little bit more gentler with yourself. What You know, the thing that you say to your friend, you know, say to yourself, it's okay. Yeah. But to add another layer to that, you can um, feed your anxiety information. So let's say... Um, you are worried about how much debt you have. Yeah. Um, and I talked about this in my blog. So let's say you're worried about, I, and you're like, I actually have no idea how I'm going to pay all of my debt off. Yeah. So, so you, because it feels overwhelming, you avoid it. So anything that you avoid, by the way, your brain learns in pattern. Um, so anything you avoid, your brain is going to notice that and go, oh, that's a very fearful thing. Bills are very fearful. Uh, ha- not having information about bills and how to pay this off is very, inf- you know, very frightening. So I'm going to strengthen that connection. I'm going to strengthen that anxiety feeling so that every time you see a bill come in, you're like, oh, type of thing. Yeah. So the thing, so you want to be careful about what you're avoiding. And you, this is where you kind of have to call on your courage and say, oh, I'm going to do it, you know, and go, Open up the bill, write down the information. Don't try to store all the information in your brain because that's just going to overly oh, stress no. your brain. Yeah, You know, all you're doing there is just trying to keep a bunch of information in your tor- short-term memory banks and that's just like, don't forget this, don't forget this. And that's just going to add another layer of stress. So that's why writing things out is very helpful because you you don't have to rely on, you know, your short-term memory banks. Yeah. Anyway, so write, you know, so you want to call on the code, you want to write out the information down, and then you want to make a plan. When you make a plan, you know, you might want, need to call on an expert to help you make a plan, or call a friend, or Google it, or something, or just rely on yourself, and then say, this is my plan. Once you have your plan, then you're going to feel more empowered. 
And that anxiety stuff for dread feeling is going to diminish over time because you're like, so when you have that thought come up like, oh my gosh, how am I going to pay all these bills? You're like, oh, wait, hang on. I have a plan. I already wrote it down. I don't have to think about it anymore. So you remind yourself, I have a plan. Stick to the plan. Yeah. You know, one thing, I I didn't have this advice necessarily. Uh, so when I was 20 years old, I remember, uh, so I was in the Navy, it was in uh, Pearl Harbor, Hawaii at the time, and uh, just had a bad breakup with a girlfriend. Um, and I mean, she was terrible for me. I did, you know, I, I, she was not you. So you give me that look. And so, uh, so the breakup just happened. Uh, I was having a lot of stress with my Navy job. I was having stress with, I, I was always working this second job, moonlighting, you mm-hmm. know, working at a movie theater. Um, I think I had some family issues. I mean, it was just so many things all at the same time. And so my, I felt my brain would just kind of like, you know, bebop back and forth about all these worries, all about uh, these negative feelings. Uh, and so what I ended up doing is I remember this was at the movie theater at the, the Pearl Kai, uh, movie theater in the mall. I was on break. I had a 15 minute break. And so I just took out a piece of paper and I said, I'm just going to list off all the things that I'm worried about right now. Mm-hmm. And I just tried to like make an exhaustive list of everything that was troubling me that I would, that I would, my brain would go to. So I listed that all out. Mm-hmm. And then I said, okay, well, and then I kind of went through each item and I talked about, well, what is something I can do? Maybe some of this stuff, I just don't have a whole lot of influence right now. So it has mm-hmm. more to do with maybe I need to think about this differently mm-hmm. or process this in some way. And mm-hmm. some things I was able to take action on, mm-hmm. um, you know, or, you know, come up with a substitute, you know, spend more time with my roommate, you know, or, you know, just even though I don't want to just, just be around friends or, you know, I'd, I'd give myself something that would probably help with that uh, solution, find a friend to talk to, that sort of thing. Yeah. That experience, right? That was one of the most stressful times of my life that mm-hmm. I can I can recall. And that exercise, I mean, it just, it really was, my problems did not get fixed overnight. Right. But I felt as though I had hope. And I had, yeah. I yeah. had hope that, you know, over the next, some of this stuff may never get fixed. Mm-hmm. Um, but... I, I at least I wasn't confused or overwhelmed by that. At least like, look, I've already kind of written all this out. Mm-hmm. And so uh, if you're worried about um, your income or your debt, or you have an issue with your children, which, you know, as parents, I mean, it's, you know, always, you know, mm-hmm. I think we, we often worry uh, about mm-hmm. our kids yeah. and that's just normal. That's, that's what yeah. everybody does. Yeah. And so putting pen to paper or journaling yeah, it's or really, something. really, effective. A lot of people try to resist the idea because they're like, ah, I don't need to. Like, and they try to do a shortcut and be like, I'll just think it out in my head. Yeah. I'm like, um, again, like I said, you don't want to, you don't want to overly stress out your brain when yeah. you don't need to. When, the, you know, the actual writing of the information actually activates a different part of our brain. So it makes 
it feel a little bit more productive. We like feeling productive about, and we like feeling like a little bit more control over our situation. So when you write things out and you go, let's experiment with it. So this, so that means this is my working hypothesis for right now. I'm going to try this experiment where if I have a family issues and I've done, I feel like I've done everything I can, what can I do? that's different well maybe i'll try talking with friends or hanging out with friends more than i am with my family um and then see how that goes that becomes your new working hypothesis right so it's your new plan it's a plan and then you try it for a period of time and you know you'll see how well that works for you and go okay and then when you are stressed about the family thing again you go okay wait hang on i have a plan about the type of thing uh, what about if there's something that you're just, you're afraid of? Like it's, it's something that, man, I, I I'm just constantly afraid of being in social situations. Like, I, I mean, and, and that gives you anxiety. Yeah. That's pretty common. Again, what I talked about before avoidance, you, unfortunately, I'm sorry to tell you, you have to expose yourself to the thing mm-hmm. that you're afraid of. Why? Because um, we've learned over time that our brains are um, pretty plastic. So there's a term called neuroplasticity, where mm-hmm. we know that we can literally rewire our brain. So remember I told you the brain likes to learn pattern. So it makes a connection, but it's not permanent. So we can always make new connections. So let's say you have anxiety about being in a social situation or giving a talk or a speech or something um, in front of a group of people, a lot of people have that type of anxiety, right? Yeah. Um, what you learn over time is that you make yourself, you call on your courage, you make yourself do it, practice beforehand, practice, you know, giving the speech in your head in front of an imaginary audience, and then go and do the thing, be kind to yourself afterward, you'll learn from the experience, you know, it's okay to not be perfect right out of the gate, mm-hmm. type of thing. And then over time, as you do it more and more, your brain will learn, oh, this is not as scary as I thought it was. Yeah. Oh, we're not actually dying when we give <laughs> a talk, even though we, we felt like that in the beginning. Over time, we learned, oh, this is not that scary. So exposure to feared situations and making yourself do it anyway. So another thing to remember is that um, courage doesn't mean the absence of fear. Courage is when you do the thing you're afraid of wow. anyway. Yeah, I love that. Is that is that a famous quote or something? I don't know. It sounds yeah. good, though. I, it's it. I'm I sure I've read it somewhere. <laughs> to the person who's listening to us, like, I, I want you to know that, like, like you're in good company. Like, I feel anxiety. You, Jenny, you feel oh, yeah, anxiety sure. over stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know, I have anxiety. It is the human experience, yeah. so you are not alone. People, you know, depending on who you follow on social media and who you talk to, people may talk about it or they may mm. not. But just know you're not alone because it, literally everyone experiences stress, anxiety to some degree or another. You know, and I think that social media sometimes can exasperate our feelings of anxiety because we think that we see all these people and they have these perfect lives and all oh, look there, they are on vacation. Everybody's smiling and hugging each other. Oh, for and, sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. and so we think, Oh, I'm, I'm just, I'm damaged goods. I'm broken and everyone else is all happy and I'm not, you know, it's listen, you are loved 
I'm I'm just going to tell you that friend to friend, you you are loved because guess what? Everybody's dealing with it. Mm-hmm. They're not posting their anxiety over all their stuff because we're afraid to share that stuff. That's yeah, it's it's, vulnerability yeah. and not everyone wants to be and you don't have to be vulnerable with everybody that you meet. No, right. You right, don't have to show right. your vulnerable self with everything and everyone. So that's why you only see the good stuff for the yeah. most part on social media unless you're that type of person who doesn't mind sharing and you that's know. how why we're all different anyway but yeah i mean you know the feeling anxious feeling stress is a normal human condition even animals feel it too yeah they yeah have, they do they have fight flight or flee responses too you'll see it all the time if yeah. you go out on your walks and you see oh we just saw we were out on a walk this morning we saw a rabbit who was just sitting there mm-hmm. and by the time we walked by he just hops away right yeah he's like oh I'm not going to approach these people. I'm going to walk <laughs> away because that's what I've learned, that this is what I am bio- biologically wired to do. Yeah. I should just kind of leave potentially dangerous situation behind. Smart move, bunny rabbit. Yeah. You don't know what a... <laughs> Even though we would have done nothing, but the bunny doesn't know that, right? Yeah, speak for yourself. I, I'd love a new bunny rabbit pet. Aww. Yeah. Well, maybe for short term. Uh, and so... Jenny, um, oh, I was just going to say this too, you know, regarding social media is that I, I heard this, you know, we're, it's really easy to compare your blooper reel with everybody else's highlight reel. And so yes. social media is not real life, just like it's reality like, well, TV is not real life. It's, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a slice of real life. And so it's, it's yeah. not a proper apples to apples comparison. Exactly. Right. Yeah. I just thought I'd throw that out there. Okay. Sure. So, Jenny, uh, anything else on this subject before we kind of wrap up here? Uh, I think I've given a lot of thought today. Oh, man. Anxiety. Yeah. It was fun to talk about. Yeah. Okay. So, you uh, help a lot of good people. Uh, and so, uh, right now, uh, open up in, in a browser if you're like, hey, I like this Jenny. I wonder what she looks like. Oh, she's beautiful. Uh, and so if nothing else, if you want to see what my wife looks like, oh, yeah, boy. I definitely, I married up. I got very, very lucky. Uh, right place, right time. And uh, we'll, we'll have to, again, share uh, how I uh, was able to uh, land the ultimate dream girl uh, way back when. Uh, we'll tell our, our kind of coming together story sometime. Uh, so you can you can find Jenny and, and all the work that she does with clients uh, both uh, virtually over over the web uh, or uh, in person in Orlando here, uh, and that's at JennyElledge.com. Jenny with a Y, J-E-N-N-Y, and then Elledge is E-L-L-E-D-G-E. And you actually have a phone number, too, which goes to your assistant who manages your schedule. Mm-hmm. And I know you have a little busy schedule, especially as school is getting started. A lot of people, you know, maybe uh, don't address issues during the summer. School starts to get back into our regular routine and everyone's like, OK, I got to get this taken care of. And, and yeah, so you, yeah, you have yeah. the opportunity to help some good people. I know your schedule is getting a little booked up, but that phone number is 208 391 Seven eight zero four. Does that sound right? Yeah. Does that sound like your phone yeah. number? Okay. And then um, you'll either talk to Cindy or Lisa. They'll yeah. help you out. Yeah. And they can get you, get your get you help out and put on uh, Jenny's schedule. And um, is it scary to do therapy? I mean, if for someone who's never done it, it's it sounds okay, so like any new job. Any yeah. new job is going to be scary at first, yeah. right? Because you're just kind of learning the ropes. Yeah. You have your education to back you up, of course. But then yeah. you go and do the job. Yeah. And then you go okay. And then over time, you kind of learn. 
from experience. You keep getting training. You network with, you know, well, I know you're you're amazing at your job. Oh, I'm thinking oh. about the client. So oh, someone is like, oh, I've oh. never I've never talked to a therapist. Does that mean I'm damaged? Does that mean I'm broken? Does that you know? Is oh it gosh. is it going to be? Think, a- I think everybody could use a therapy session or yeah. two in, right. in, in their lifetime, if only to just. Yeah, I just got a comment from another. Um, actually, she was an, a a young girl that came in and talked to me, and afterward. Her parent came in and we were talking and she goes, she's awesome. I feel so much better. And they're like, see, this is what happens when you talk to a third person that's not intimately involved in your everyday life and you get that validation from another person. Eh, There's just something about it. It works. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's helpful to talk to someone who's outside. It's the third party thing that is something about it that makes it work better. Yeah. And I think a good therapist too, I think, you know, you're going to get to a feeling of comfort pretty quickly because uh, a good therapist tends to be a really good listener. And then, you know, I think the idea is just to help you discover things about yourself. Therapist is not necessarily just going to give you, oh, well, your solution is to do blah, 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 blah. Oh, correct. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to develop rapport with you. They're going to, you know, validate where you're coming from, try to understand where you're coming from. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, it's a collaboration. We want to figure out what the goals are and how we're going to get there together. I want to be an amazing dad. I want to be an amazing husband. I want to be really good at what I do professionally. So I've talked to therapists and, you know, throughout my adult life and, it's helpful. And I don't often get answers from them, but they help me discover the answers that I already have and I get that clarity. I was just not able to get those answers on my own. I just, they were there, but it just took someone helping me kind of navigate that. And then bam, you know, few sessions, three, four sessions. And I'm like, oh my gosh. You know, I, I can see this now. Yeah. So it doesn't take for it. That's another misconception, too, is that, you know, if you start working with a therapist, you're going to be doing it for years. Well, yeah, your therapist should be able to tell you kind of after you first meet how long, you know, the yeah. whole process will take. You know, Some things will take a little. If you have a, a mild situation, yeah. it might take, you know, two, three, four sessions. If it's moderate, going to take eight to 12. If it's yeah. more severe, it could be several months to a year long. Yeah. You know, that's for a year. Yeah. You know, your infidelity and sexual abuse type yeah. situation coming there. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, but you know, if you're concerned about how long it's going to take, your therapist should be able to tell you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, God bless you for the work you're doing, Jenny Ellen. Oh, you. you help a lot of good people. <laughs> and thank you so much for being on the Savings Angel Show. Again, at this, I, you know, when, the reason that I studied family science in college is I, I, my, I had a dream of being a love doctor. You remember that? <laughs> I do remember that. that I was, was listening. The big dream. Yeah. I was listening to Adam and Dr. Drew. And when I was uh, way back when, and Dr. Love. Yeah, yep, 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 yep. Uh, And I actually worked at a radio station, one of my moonlighting jobs. I worked at KGU Radio, uh, an AM radio station, and they had love phones. I want to see, it's like with Dr. Angelina and Trevor. You know, okay. so so she was the smart therapist, and he uh-huh. was just the goofy, oh, oh, oh you know, uh-huh. doing yeah. the slapstick radio yeah. stuff or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but I was just like, man, if these knuckleheads can do this, I can do this. Uh-huh. You know, I can at least be the slapstick goofy guy. And, and uh, so now, twenty five years here, later, I am. I fu- your dream is coming true. Yeah, I fu- is that fu- what I hear you saying? <laughs> Fulfilled my dream of being a slapstick goofy oh, guy. No. <laughs> so. so you know, one uh, one compliment uh, when when people would call into Loveline is they would say, "Oh, Doctor Drew, you're so smart," and Adam, 
you're funny. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and so Adam's and like, they both say, thank you. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, uh, again, Jenny Elledge.com and the phone number 208-391-7804. Jenny, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, hey, it's Friday. Let's go do something fun together. Yay, let's go to let's go. one nice perk of living in Orlando is you got theme parks nearby. It's part of why we decided to move here 11 some years we're ago. We're visiting Epcot tonight. Yes. Let's go to Epcot. We're going to go see yeah. the Guardians of the Galaxy show that they've got. They've I'm got a stage. I am too. I love the we music. I haven't seen this before. This I is know, new. I know. I we'll like, the, like the new stuff. All right, Jenny. Thank you. All right. See ya. Bye. You're giving me that perplexed look. Trust me, I know where I'm going with this.